Welcome to Let's Get Writing, the podcast that explores the creative process of writing from books, scripts, plays, and poems to songs and blogs. This series focuses on authors, publishers, and artists. Catherine's guests share their process of writing in all its forms. Listen along to discover personal journeys behind their work, explore options from indie to traditional publishing, and learn tips and secrets to inspire you. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. I'm your host, Katherine Taylor. This is a show all about the writing process from creation to publication. We tell the stories behind the stories, and I like to say we bring life to books. So please share, like, and follow me on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. I certainly appreciate the support, and I hope you enjoy the show. Today, my guest on Let's Get Writing is the author of Salt Beef Buckets, and it's called A Love Story, so we're going to delve into that. The book includes recipes and essays exploring the stories and culinary traditions of Newfoundland. And of course, that's where we are. I'm in central Newfoundland, and my guest is on the East Coast. She is an author, a chef, a writer. I said author, writer, same thing. Ah, a comedian and librarian. So welcome to the show, Amanda Dorothy Jean Bullman, better known as Andy. And I'm just going to bring her up now and say hello. Hi. 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 So good to see you. And good. good to see you too. Yeah, and such a joy to read this. Uh, it's really hard to read a book like this and not get hungry. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm glad to hear that. That means it's working. So. It, is, it is working. And I've had several um, guests on the show. If people are interested, we've covered East Coast Keto. We've covered gluten-free and dairy-free. We've well, covered food, culture, place, the ladies that do a lot of foraging and hunting. And, and so th there's several on my YouTube channel. But today we're going to delve into salt beef buckets, which you call a love story. What's going mm -hmm. on here? How did you come up with this name, Andy? Um, well, I think salt beef buckets are such a symbol of Newfoundland and Labrador. You make Christmas slush in them. You use them for berry picking. They hold salt beef. Um, and I called it salt beef buckets. It's a love story because it's sort of the story of how I fell in love with the food of Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, you know, and then also I wanted one thing I really wanted to cover was the food in different parts of Newfoundland and Labrador is a bit different. You know, there's a bit more like it's a food oasis on the West Coast. There's so such like fertile soil in places like the Codroy Valley. And then you kind of come over to the Avalon and it's a bit more barrens and tundra, um, but it still has its charms. So, um, yeah, the book is called that because um, I really fall in love with the food here. Well, let's while we're on the topic of you falling in love with the food here, you're actually from PEI. You are not a, a Newfoundlander by birth, yeah. perhaps <laughs> by adoption. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so how, what did you think when you first landed, landed here? You were, you were, you were a little reluctant, weren't you? You were packing. I was, a, I was a little worried about, I was worried. <laughs> I had sort of been sent off with warnings, like they boil everything and all the food is cooked to death was sort of, those were sort of the things that I heard. But when I got here and realized like there's such a, there's rabbit pie, there's capelin fried over an open like flame. Like there's such a wide scale 
um, of food here. Um, and in recent years, um, so many people are moving here and they're bringing their own cultures and their own cuisine, which is um, changing the cuisine of Newfoundland and Labrador and making it more exciting and sort of fusion-y. And, and that's awesome. So I made sure in the book to include some stories from friends who came from other places, um, because I don't think any one person can really tell the story of a food in one place. I think you do sort of need those different voices. Um, so yeah, so I, my friend Malin, she's from Sweden and she gave me a juniper apple recipe um, and gave me some tips for how to find juniper. Um, you know, and then other friends um, gave me a radish salad recipe. My friend Behek, amazing shortbread recipe. Um, so there's just, you know, there's a, a recipes from other people in the book too. Which is really neat. And actually how you, you did this book is, is so wonderful. And it, it really warmed my heart because it celebrates, as you mentioned, local ingredients. And mm -hmm. I might go back to this island and how diverse it is. And I, I, I can't comment so much on Labrador. I've yet to go there, but hopefully this year. Um, and you look at the local ingredients and then you researched archival recipes. You explored like yeah. all cookbooks, newsletters, church cookbooks, you found those recipes and then you gave us the 2.0 version. Mm -hmm. You updated them. So what a great way to approach it. Was that on your mind in the beginning? Was that how it started with the old recipes? Yeah, it is. I I love looking for old cookbooks. I love finding like church bazaar recipes and I love going through the archives and finding recipes from like 1905 and then trying to interpret them like what well, a coffee cup of sugar, like every coffee cup is different. What does this author from 1905 mean? Like I love the interpretation, those recipes. Um, but then I did want to bring them into sort of the 20th century because we have access to so much more food now. Um, pe like people's palates have changed. So I did want to update those recipes, but also pay homage to them because it's so important to sort of look backwards and forwards. So I wanted to have the base recipe and a little switch up of the recipe. I spent a lot of time in the archives for this, like libraries, archives. I spent a lot of time on my computer, a lot of times cuddled up in a chair with a glass of wine and just like a huge pile of old cookbooks. Uh, and I love that. I thought that was such a fun, like doing the research for this was really, really fun. Um, it was hard to know when to stop. Like, and it was very hard to know which recipes to include and what not to include. That was, that was tricky. And it's interesting because you trained to be a librarian. So when I hear you talking about researching recipes and enjoying going through the books and, and pulling yeah. this out, I mean, that would have been your training. Yes. I actually was so lucky. <laughs> yeah. I am so lucky, you know, for a couple of years after I finished that master's degree, like I, I really struggled in doing my master's. Like I did fine. My grades were fine. All good. But I was kind of, like I love libraries and I love research, um, but I struggle like a nine to five jobs, never really what I, I, and I'm, and I'm such a physical tactile person that working in a library just didn't seem to suit my personality. I'm chaotic. Libraries are organized. <laughs> so when I sort of finished my master's degree being really worried that I would never use it. Uh, and then I just wasted a bunch of money. Um, but I have used it in recent years. You know, I do a lot of research and I have really great research skills and it's such a, so good to have those if you're wanting to write books. So I'm really, and I, you know, it's really nice to sort of look back and be like, I didn't waste 
all that money, it got used. So that's lovely. <laughs> it's interesting how we use our degrees in, in different ways. It's training that you get, but there's so many applications for what you learn. And interesting <laughs> enough, even that training to put a cookbook together. Yeah. Having to organize it, how are you going to make it user-friendly, entertaining? Yeah. Like you've hit all the, you've, you've hit it all in my opinion. Because <sighs> I'm going to put it up again. And actually, I mean, I have the cover, but it's so much more fun to hold this up. Yeah. Uh, in it, in it, you have incredible photography and it's, it's very, um, it's very user friendly, you know, it's yeah. very welcoming. And of course the pictures of the food and that's a whole work of art. Yeah. Lots of pictures of you out in nature doing your thing. <laughs> um, yeah. I got the I got the book contract through an event with the Writers Alliance. I had an idea for a cookbook, um, and the Writers Alliance does every year in, in St. John's, they do a pitch the publisher. So you go with your book idea, and you have like a couple of minutes to make your pitch, and you pitch in front of Boulder and Flanker and Breakwater. Um, so I did the event, and I was really nervous about the process of that. Like I felt very, I kind of thought I did a really bad job. Um, but then I took some meetings, like a, a couple of the publishers were like really interested. Um, and then I sat with Breakwater and I realized that they use a Canadian printer and they print on recycled paper, which I was like, that fits the theme of my book so well. And so I signed with Breakwater. But one of the things that I did when I made my pitch was like, oh, like I'll be the brand. Um, and so that's why there's a lot of pictures of myself in the book. And like now I'm a little like. Ooh, maybe I shouldn't have done that because I don't know if I want to be a brand. But um, yeah, it's interesting, right? Yeah, because you think about how to market a book and you're like, oh, branding. Um, so I, there is an Amazon review where they're like, there's a lot of pictures of the author in this book. And I'm like, oh, God. The point, there's a lot of pictures of the author in this book enjoying what she's doing in settings in Newfoundland that reflect the food you're eating. So they just got lost there. I'm like, you know, because thank well, you, Catherine. I appreciate what that. I, so much. What I'm seeing is you in nature enjoying what you have and you've got a yeah. basket on your side and obviously you're foraging. So yeah. I, I found it inspiring. So I have a different point of view. I'm on glad. That. And I think when people see them, see a picture of someone in a cookbook, it does make the content more relatable. Like, Oh, if that person can go out in nature, then maybe I can go out in nature. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason why I included the pictures. I probably am overthinking this whole book way too much. Um, but I'm actually really happy with how it turned out. And my photographer is a friend of mine. His name is Alex Wilkie. And I've worked with him in a lot of films um, where we both work on a film set um, and I've, he's an artist, he's a visual artist, and I, for a long time, really admired um, his photography. So I asked him to do this, um, and then I got an NL Arts Council grant, which I was, so I was able to pay him. So that was so lovely to be able to pay someone to do the photography. I would have hated to do it myself. It would have been too much to do the photographs and the content. So it was really lovely to have Alex on board. And when you're working with a good friend, you can be really honest. Um, and you can also, it feels like you're hanging out. So you're not like with a stranger all day. So I loved working with Alex. It was a dream come true. And um, he has a new baby with his wife and they just bought a new house. And I know that he's really thrilled um, with the book too. So that makes me feel mm -hmm. good. Like, oh, well, it all worked out. 
it is a feel good book. It, it, it is a book that you pick up. And if you're someone like me, who's like not an expert in the kitchen and still has to look a lot of things like, like cooking for me quite often is like, Oh, I got to cook something, mm-hmm. you know, but when I hold a book like this in my hands, I go, but this is so interesting. And it inspires me to think, yeah, I can do that. I can go out. I don't know if I will, but I can <laughs> go out and get nettles and mm-hmm. I can take revenge on the dandelions and, and eat them. Yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> and things like that, when I look at it, it's possible. And I love that you included um, such things as always sustainability is a theme through your cookbook from how we harvest food to catching cod to mm-hmm. anything, but even how we cherish and treat our soil mm-hmm. um, you know that that was that was rather nice and and i have gone to the bay <laughs> and i have picked up kelp and i have raised beds yes good for you weed in there and you got me thinking okay that was two years ago so might be time to revisit that and yeah well our soil in newfoundland is really rocky and it doesn't have a thing called selenium so when we add seaweed, we're adding selenium to the soil, making it healthier. You just kind of want to like cover your garden with a little bit of seaweed and let that salt sort of blow off with the wind and and then mix it in. And it's just so good. And it's a practice that's been happening here for so long. So yeah, I'm really glad that you like that. And I'm really glad, you know, working with Breakwater has been a dream. Like they have been so, well, first of all, they, they did all this graphic design. I just sort of went, uh-huh, I like it. They had all the ideas. A woman named Rhonda, she like has done all this graphic design. Um, and I just was so happy when I saw it. Like I love the fonts. I love the typefaces. But another thing I really loved working with them is that I wanted to write about like, here's how you build a fire. Here's how you do a boil up. Here's how you care for your soil. Here's the history of Halloween night in in Newfoundland. I wanted to include all that. And I'm so glad that they let me keep all those things. I was really worried it would get cut. And, you know, they were so open to the idea of like changing a little bit how what a cookbook should feel like. Mm-hmm. So I'm really grateful to Breakwater for that. Yeah. And you're you're also giving people permission to mess this book up too. <laughs> yeah, get it dirty. I want you to get it really dirty. <laughs> like get it, like a cookbook that's covered in stains is good. It means that you're using it. And I love that. Uh, well, we have someone here who ordered your book yesterday. Thank you for your comment, Lori. <laughs> and she's going to get it next week, which is amazing. So I love Thank it you, when people comment on the show and uh, yeah. know that they're 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 taking advantage of this. Um, well, you mentioned Halloween because that was something. As long as I've been here, I did not know about. I learned I learned something there. Mm-hmm. It's, I think I've got it flagged. Colcannon night in New. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colcannon. Yeah, cold cannon was a dish of like mashed potatoes and kale and green onion um, that people ate on Halloween night. And it was sort of like a fortune telling kind of game where they would um, have like a thimble and a coin. And whoever got the coin, it meant they were going to be rich. Whoever found the ring was going to be the next to get married. Um, and people played games like that, and they refer to Halloween as Colcannon Night. So I definitely, it's a sort of Irish food. I definitely wanted to include a recipe for that. And I actually made the recipe vegan um, because at that point in the book, I was like, I don't have very many veggie or vegan recipes. I should include a few. And uh, so it's a vegan recipe. And um, I talk a little bit about the history of Halloween in Newfoundland. Um, that's my favorite time of year. I actually love the fall section. I love the berries. I love the pumpkins. Um, I really, I really enjoyed writing the fall piece. 
Well, the fall is the harvest, and that's when all our work shows up. If we're yeah. doing anything at all, it's it is. I think it's a heartwarming time for anyone in the fall, and we get our bear. Well, we get berries through the summer, but we're processing mm-hmm. beets and doing all kinds of cool things with food, and mm-hmm. so that's a big chapter in there. And it's really great that it, that. Mm-hmm. It, is but you also you you don't just stop with food you talk about other things that that people do in traditionally in newfoundland one of them being rug hooking so how did that get in there well that was a pandemic copy that i picked up i had always admire um all the fiber arts but especially rug hooking they're always my favorite thing to see in an art gallery to see in a museum and i always um wanted to try it thought i wouldn't be good at it when i took it so over the first sort of wave of the pandemic, I ordered rug hooking kits and I couldn't believe how quickly I picked it up and how calm it made me feel. Um, I'm not someone who can sit for a long period of time, but I could sit and rug hook for hours and just like listen to an audiobook. Um, it, it's such a lovely hobby. And so then I realized like Newfoundland's such a hub of rug hooking. There's a guild here. There are some incredible artists here. Um, and so I reached out to a couple of artists I really admired and I chatted with them about the history of rug hooking. And to me, it made sense in the context of the book. I And I'm really glad I included it. And the reason it made sense was food history is really not written about very much because it's something that was done by people in the lower economic groups, um, by women. And we don't have as much of that history recorded. The history that we study is often the history of people who were literate. Um, so people who didn't write it, we don't have that sort of history. So craft history and food history, it's harder to trace. Um, and so I wanted, I felt that because of that, it, it involved, it needed to be in the book. Um, and I don't know, some of the best hooked rugs are from here. Um, Deanne Fitzpatrick is one of my favorite rug hookers. She lives over in New Brunswick, but she's from Newfoundland. She's from the Placentia area and her rugs are just so inspiring. So yeah, and Winnie Gavine. There's, we're really lucky here. And I, if any, you know, when this wave is over, if anyone gets a chance to go check out some rug hooking shows, like I can't recommend it enough. The work that goes into them is amazing. And the history of rug hooking is really cool. Yeah, it is very cool. And I would love to have someone on the show. I realize it's not writing, but it's writing in pictures and, and related to our culture. So definitely would be so nice. And that was your quick side journey to rug hooking. Yeah. Also you, talked about foraging and that's growing hugely in popularity um how do you feel about the foraging i'm sure you're for it oh yeah i love foraging i mean i really love foraging what what i love about it is what the thing i like to forage for most is invasive species um there are things like knotweed that just take over our yard but you can get revenge you can eat it <laughs> so and i mean if you think about it like we'll pay so much money for local greens because we want those nutrients but so many edible local greedy like local greens grow in our yards so i mean i think there are a lot of rules you know you have to really be a hundred percent certain um you can go really slowly you don't need to rush into foraging buy a couple of books take a course there are people all over the island now leading foraging tours um, you can email people like Sean Dar- Dawson of the Barking Cattle. You can email him questions. He's so accessible. Um, the Foray does all kinds of mushroom workshops in the fall. So there's all kinds of ways to learn here. I would just encourage people to learn slowly. But once you get going, there's so many free foods all around us. Um, 
And like a lot of them are just left in the ground to rot. Or one thing I see a lot of is wild apple trees. There are so many wild apple trees and maybe the apples are a bit sour, but if you just boil them down, you could have free apple butter all, all fall. <laughs> so, you know, I, that is something I hope people look through the book and, and sort of start to realize like, there are way more free food than you think. Um, one of my favorites is um, there's service berries everywhere. They're commonly known as the chocolate pear, um, but those are awesome. You know, you dry them, you use them the same way you would use currants. Um, I also love rose petals. Rose petals are one of my, I love floral flavors. Um, and so in the spring and summer section, there's a rose petal iced tea. Like it's so good. <laughs> and I make another tea with like chamomile and catnip and dried rose petals. Rose petals are really good for you. So I just I just hope that people um, start slow and start with things that are very obvious. You know, we all know blueberry, you know, rose petals, a wild rose petal. These are sort of safe places to start, like work your way up to um, mushrooms. mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a quote in the book, you know, there are old mushroom hunters and there are bold mushroom hunters, but there are no old, bold mushroom hunters. <laughs> I had that here. And if you hadn't said that, I was going to <laughs> because it just got me thinking. I, I, there was a lady that I knew and she was very skilled. She was from, um, I think it was uh, Romania or um, I can't exactly say the country right now, Poland. And um, anyway, she was very skilled at this. And I was in Nova Scotia. She said, let's go mushroom foraging. I was like, let's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, we knew it and she was anxious to show me, but I was less anxious, but I get it. Either people like Sean Dawson, who actually I do have to have on the show. He also has a wonderful cookbook and um, so good. Couldn't recommend his book enough. It's yeah. a great cookbook. Food Culture Place is an amazing cookbook. Yes, they've been on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On. And that sh those shows are available on YouTube if, if people search my channel. But to, I find when we meet people who are doing this, they inspire us and, and give us confidence to try things. When I was in Campbellton, there's a wonderful berry farm in Campbellton. And I went in one day and Sean was there. I met him and he Hi. had finished a workshop. And there were people there from all around, Grand Falls and other places who were going to his workshop. So there are opportunities all over the island and when you mention the wild apples and and plums and so on the codroy valley there's a, a park ground out there uh, we have an rv and i went in there it was in september i could not believe apples everywhere trees and apples on the ground so i picked them up and i did some of the things you said i have oh i love that well that place is especially more so than anywhere else on the island like that's a bread basket there are so many great wild ingredients in the codroy valley so yeah yeah it's a beautiful place and that is the thing about the island there are, are corners and places where you don't expect things and and you go in there and it's just like a whole other ecosystem and you're a hundred percent yes i think that that area especially is like another ecosystem there's so much growing so yeah. oh, so much growing over there and so beautiful and uh, i this is a place i like to go every year but that got me inspired to put apple trees in on our wow. property that's and awesome yeah, so we're. I'm trying different things, and I'm learning from these books. I had Todd Bolin on uh, also last year, and he talks about plants in Newfoundland and how to grow and the different. So there's so, so many resources and people to help. But um, back to your book, I really want to talk to you about the fruitcake dilemma. Yes. <laughs> okay, I have always hated fruitcake. 
Um, yeah, it's always been, I've always thought that at Christmas time, you're having this big, amazing feast. You're having the turkey, you're having the gravy, you're having homemade rolls, and then you get fruitcake. And to me, it's just like ending the sentence in this like terrible way, <laughs> you know? So I never really understood fruitcake. Um, I thought it was the most disgusting dessert. Uh, and then I started playing around with uh, recipes until I found one that I really like. And it is fancy and it is a little expensive. The ingredients are pricey. You know, there's pine nuts, there's bourbon. Like, it's not cheap, but it is a holiday. So, you know, you're going to splurge. But, yeah, no, I've come around now. I've started to realize that what's great about fruitcake is that it's, like, suits the season. It's dense. It's, like, luxurious. It's the kind of food you eat when you're about to hibernate. So that's, I've come around. I like fruitcake now. That's the fruitcake dilemma. But what caught my eye was that you started out by saying that I really hated fruitcake. And yeah. I was like, yes, yes, I know exactly what you mean. I really hated fruitcake too. And then um, my mother would make a dark fruitcake every year. I had no interest. But in later years, I found her recipe and I looked at it. And it was similar to those recipes that were written without, you know, oh, come on, mom, like how much of this and how much of that? And so I had to weigh things and figure out. And each year I make the recipe and I think it gets better each year. I adjust it. But my recipe now includes fruit soaked in rum. Um, lots of nuts as well. You you mentioned mm-hmm. that, and um, there's actually even some dark chocolate in this one. Your, yeah, your recipe sounds amazing. I would. Um, your <laughs> recipe sounds so good. I, I does kind of sound like you might get drunk off that fruitcake. <laughs> well, it is. Yes, it is a heavy cake, and it's really great with a piece of cheese. But nice. what I have come to discover is a new respect for fruit cake. So, um, my dilemma next year will be making one with your recipe hey. and one with mine and then I'll have a taste test and we'll, we'll talk again. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, please. And we'll talk again about that. And um, also there's some pictures of you out there um, fishing, fishing for cod. And we know that, um, you know, when you can catch a fish like a cod on your own line and, you know, fillet it and eat it right out of the water, there's nothing quite like that. Oh yeah. That's the best way to have cod. Um, I, I feel really strongly about, I'm not a fan of gill nets. Um, and those are long nets that sort of hang mm. and the fish get caught in it. And it might be two or three days before they're taken out. And so the fish gets full of adrenaline because it's struggling. Um, it's out in the water, maybe dead for two days. I Gill nets catch all kinds of other things. They catch tuna, they catch whale. Um, a lot of times they're left out and become ghost gear and they're forever fishing. They're out there for a hundred years. So I really am an advocate for handline cod. Um, I think if you can catch your own cod, there's no better way to experience it. It's fresh. It's right out of the ocean. Um, yeah, and I, I like to go every year if I can. Yeah, me too. And if you and we've hit some wonderful days out in exploits where the water is like glass. Uh, you you get on the right shelf at the right depth, and you, you can catch your you can catch your cod. And then of course the the work is cleaning. <laughs> Yes, but but it's an experience. And these are things I had never done in my life. And even though I grew up here, uh, it took a whole lifetime for me to get back and discover these things and discover Mm. things like your book and so much more that I can do this summer with berries. And one particular recipe that really caught my eye was that strawberry uh, (laughs) strawberry rhubarb pie. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's on. um, Yeah, I was in 
cream, I think it is. Maple whipped cream. Yeah, I was inspired by um, Agnes Ayers. There's a great cookbook, um, the Agnes Ayers cookbook. Um, I think it's a bolder cookbook. It's really wonderful. Um, and she's got an amazing rhubarb pie uh, recipe in there. But I like mine cut with strawberries. Uh, I like all butter crust. And then I love maple syrup. I love the flavor of maple. So I added maple whipped cream. So wow. my, yeah, she was my inspiration for that one. And um, yeah, it's a nice recipe. Well, it, it looks great. And I want to thank you so much for writing the book and for coming on the show to, to talk to this, talk to us and inspire us to, to try new things this year. Thank I think so much. <laughs> Folks, thanks for joining us. And again, you can find all the shows on my YouTube channel at Katherine Taylor TV. Thanks so much for your support and happy eating and reading. <laughs> Bye now. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So please let us know what you thought of this episode and share your ideas for future guests or topics. You can email us at letsgetwriting at katherinetaylor.ca. Don't forget to subscribe and even leave a review. And if you love this episode, share it with a friend. Until next time, believe in yourself and let's get writing.